0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Hoare, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, July 7th, 2019, on the basis of Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Do you know anyone who seems to possess this special ability to walk into a room where everything seems calm and stable and in order, spend just a very short amount of time there, and then when they walk away, they leave behind... A giant mess. I happen to know a few people just like that. In fact, it probably doesn't surprise you to hear that those people share my last name and they live in my house. And unfortunately, all of them are a few years away from being 18 years old yet, and so it's a few years before I might suggest to them that they go and make their messes somewhere else. Probably doesn't sound like a flattering description of someone, does it? And yet, believe it or not, in some situations it very much is. In fact, a a person can carve out quite a living for themselves doing that very thing, showing up in a situation where things seem to be stable and calm and in order, spending just a, a very short amount of time there, and then when they leave, leaving behind a huge mess. We might call such a person a consultant. Of course, there's a reason why we call them consultants. There's a reason why companies pay consultants large amounts of money to come in and do that very thing. It's because while on the surface things might seem to be calm and stable and in order, maybe under the surface there's some sort of problem that needs to be addressed. And yes, the consultant might completely turn things upside down. They might really shake things up. They might suggest hirings and firings and changes to how things are done. And yet, hopefully, those are solutions to some of the problems that need to be addressed. In other words, a consultant, yes, very much makes a mess and leaves behind a mess. but, But odds are they've made a mess of something that was already very much a mess. Believe it or not, that's a pretty good description of what we're going to see from our Savior Jesus Today. One more time, I want you to quickly take a look at that image that's on the front of your service folder and has been for the past several weeks. That image that depicts so many of the activities that day in and day out go round and round and round and take up so much of our time. And I'd be willing to guess that for at least some of you, I should maybe say for some of us, the words calm and stable and in order are maybe the last words that we would use to describe our day to day lives. And yet, Probably in one important way, those are words that are very fitting, or at least seem to be fitting. And it's in the context of this spiritual battle that's going on, this cosmic knockdown, drag out war that is being fought over our eternal souls between our spiritual enemy and our spiritual allies. It's very easy for us to think that in that battle, day in and day out, everything's pretty calm and stable. And under control. Yes, we know that there is evil in our world and maybe even evil in our lives, but we can sort of keep it under control. We can maybe even keep it at arm's length. And yet today, one more time, we're going to see that there is, in fact, more than this. There's more than meets the eye. In fact, when Jesus shows up, he makes that abundantly clear. We're going to see how Jesus shows up and completely turns things upside down. So much so that when he walks away, he almost seems to leave behind a bigger mess than there was in the first place. And yet, as we look at these verses from Luke chapter 8 today, we're going to see how Jesus, by doing what he does, first of all, makes us fully aware of the mess that we're in, the mess that is all around us all the time. And second of all, what he has done to fix it. As we look at these verses from Luke 8 today, we're going to not only see, but we're even going to give thanks that Jesus has made a real mess of our mess. If your experience has been anything like mine, there's maybe been a time or two when you've walked into a room and much to your dismay, you've exclaimed, what a mess. That's the very thing that Luke's depiction of this scene causes us to do. Luke tells us that Jesus and his disciples sailed across the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Gerasenes. In other words, to Gentile territory. Here's why that's important. There were actually two times in human history when every single man, woman, and child on the face of the earth knew and believed in God's promise to send a Savior. And yet, very quickly, after both of those times, that was no longer the case. The world was divided between people who had and believed God's word and people who did not. In fact, it got so bad that eventually God had to single out, God had to choose just one nation out of all the nations on the earth and keep them separate from all of those other nations just so that there would be one nation, one group of people who still knew and believed God's promise until the time came when he could keep that promise. And so that's why in Jesus' day there were the Jewish people, the people who knew and had God's word, and then there were the Gentiles, Everybody else, the people who didn't. What a mess. Jesus enters Gentile territory, steps off the boat, and instantly meets this man who's possessed by a demon, in fact, by a whole series of demons. In other words, here you have those powerful spiritual beings that God Himself created, and you have a human being, you have the very crown of God's creation, His pride and joy. And yet, rather than those spiritual beings doing the good for which God created them, namely to serve mankind, this demon, these demons, are tormenting this man. In fact, they are possessing him. What a mess. And what's interesting in Luke's depiction of this account is how much it seems everyone in that area had gotten used to, had gotten comfortable with this mess. Sure, I'm sure at first it was quite disturbing to have this man who was possessed by demons, and so sure enough, they tried to lock him up, they tried to put him under chains, and yet that was impossible. And yet, thankfully, the demons seemed to seemed content to sort of keep this man at arm's length away. He lived out by the tombs. Meanwhile, everyone else lived and worked and played inside their town. And sure, it wasn't exactly ideal to have this guy right there in their own backyard, but everyone knew their place. Everyone knew their role. The The demons were out by the cemetery. The people could live and work in the town. In fact, we get the impression that this had been the status quo for quite some time. And so even though there was this big mess, everything seemed calm, stable, under control. Now we might look at this instant of demon possession through our 21st century American eyes and think, boy, that kind of rare and radical example of evil in our world, that doesn't really happen very much anymore, does it? In fact, maybe this sort of thing wasn't really even all that real, but was maybe just sort of silly superstition by people who were much more primitive than we are. Well, consider for a moment that if our spiritual enemy is in fact real, And if he realizes that there is a group of people, maybe even an entire society, who doesn't think about him a whole lot, maybe even doesn't believe that he exists, probably the thing that is to his greatest advantage is to let it continue that way, to lay low, to work undercover, to not manifest himself in such radical and visible ways. Or maybe, on the other hand, it's just an indication of what these verses demonstrate to us. That no matter how big the mess is, no matter how much evil rears its ugly head in our world, the longer we live in it, the more we human beings are really good at getting used to it and getting comfortable with it. So much so, in fact, that even though evil still rears its ugly head, everything seems calm and stable and under control. Consider for a moment just a few of the demonic lies that still possess people just as much as those demons possess that man. Consider, for example, the idea that the greatest good in life is for us to be happy and to do what feels good and to do the things that will bring us fulfillment. And, and the greatest evil, by contrast, would be if someone were to deny us or deprive us of those things. Consider the idea. That when it comes to what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's false, really, we are our own authorities. We should just listen to our hearts and follow our instincts. Consider the idea that we human beings really aren't all that bad. Sure, we we occasionally get off track, but with a little pep talk and a little pat on the back, we can make things right. Or consider the idea that when it comes to God's expectations of us, really all that he wants us to do is is try our best and, and be the best version of ourselves that we can possibly be and he'll be happy with that. We could go on and on. Rest assured, evil is still very much at work in our world today. What a mess. And yet, might it be the case, that because that's the air we breathe and the water we drink, because that evil is around us, because we are in the middle of this mess and live in it each and every day, that we get used to it. We get comfortable with it. In fact, so much so that those demonic lies are not just lies that we hear, but pretty soon they're lies that we think. Maybe even lies that we say. Lies that we treat, not as the demonic lies that they are, but as if they were divine truth. So much so that we lose sight of this battle that's going on all around us. And everything seems calm, everything seems stable, everything seems under control. But then Jesus shows up. That's what happened that day on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and as Jesus dealt with this mess that he encountered, it's, it's pretty interesting. We get sort of a template, almost like there's this playbook of how Jesus is going to deal with evil in our world and what's truly interesting is that not only does Jesus know the playbook but the demons seem to be aware of what's in the playbook as well. So Jesus shows up and instantly the demons recognize here is someone who is much more powerful than we are and so they beg him, Jesus Son of the Most High God, have mercy on us. They know that Jesus has total power over them. And sure enough, with nothing more than his word, Jesus is able to order this demon to leave the man that it possessed. And yet another part of the playbook seems to be that even though Jesus has total power over demons, he is going to exercise that power according to a predetermined timetable. Yes, there very much is a real place that has been prepared for the devil and his angels, where those spiritual enemies of ours will be locked up for all eternity. We call that place hell. And yet the time for them to go there is not yet. And again, the demons seem to know that. They beg Jesus not to send them into the abyss. They beg Jesus to send them somewhere else. And and sure enough, Jesus grants their request. Off they go into this herd of pigs. Well, it seems as though Jesus has swooped in and saved the day, but then notice what happens next. These demons enter this herd of pigs and they instantly run off the cliff into the Sea of Galilee. The owners of that herd of pigs are no doubt furious because they've just lost their entire business. They go into the town to tell people what has happened. Those people come out. They see what has happened. They see this man dressed and in his right mind. And what's their reaction? They're terrified. In fact, so much so that rather than asking Jesus to stick around and do more of these great miracles, they beg Jesus to leave. And so sure enough, Jesus walks away, seemingly leaving behind an even bigger mess than the one he found. Of course, Jesus was just getting started, wasn't he? That was the entire reason he came into this world, to follow that very same playbook in his opposition and his defeat of those spiritual forces of evil. Jesus came into this world and he very much exposed All of those ideas, all of those demonic lies that so often we hear and so often we are tempted to believe. Jesus revealed the truth that God knows us better than we even know ourselves. And so, no, the best plan for a blessed and wonderful life is not to just do whatever makes us happy, but instead to follow God and his word. Jesus revealed the truth that God's expectations are much higher than the expectations we have for ourselves, in fact, much higher than we could imagine. God's expectations for us are not simply that we try our best. Those expectations are absolute perfection. Jesus came to this world and he revealed that we human beings are not pretty good and and maybe just need a little bit of direction every now and then. He revealed that we are so fatally flawed that what we need is not a pep talk or a pat on the back. What we really need to do is simply go over to the sidelines, sit down, And just watch as Jesus, our champion, does absolutely everything all by himself that is required for our salvation from start to finish. In fact, that's what he did. And finally, with a a word that was just as powerful as the word that he used to drive out those demons, Jesus declared, not only to us, but to Satan and all of his minions, that he had won the victory. Just before he gave up his life, he said, It is finished. Jesus doesn't completely eliminate evil from our world. Evil still very much exists in our world, and yet that evil has very much been defeated. It has been dealt a fatal blow. As Jesus said, it is finished. But then, Jesus didn't just leave a specific region. Jesus left the whole planet. Almost before the dust had settled from that great battle against those spiritual forces of evil, he went back up into heaven leaving us behind, leaving those enemies still very much at work in our world and now madder than ever, leaving us to face the very same choice that the people of this region faced. What are we going to do with this Jesus? Are we going to push him away, happy to wallow in the mess that he found us in, or are we going to embrace him and live? When Jesus left, he he seemed to walk away almost from a bigger mess than the one that he found when he showed up. But, you know, that's what makes the last part of this story so very interesting. Jesus drove out these demons from the man who was possessed by them, and, and after he did, after he was asked to leave, this man asked if he could follow Jesus, asked if he could go with him. Not surprising when you consider what Jesus had done for him. Not surprising when you consider the reaction that it produced from the rest of the town and the rest of the region. And yet, what is surprising was Jesus' response. Jesus said, no. In fact, what's truly interesting is is the exact words that Luke uses to tell us what Jesus said. Luke tells us that Jesus set the man free. See, it seems that once this man had been released from the demons that possessed him, he almost thought as though now, just as those demons had possessed him, now he he was sort of possessed or enslaved by, by Jesus. That he now owed Jesus something. That he had to spend the rest of his life paying Jesus back. And so that's why he wanted to go with him. But instead, Jesus released him. Jesus set him free. Jesus sent him back to the home and to the life and to the people that he could not have possibly enjoyed while he was possessed by those demons, to to live among them and to love them and and to tell them everything that God had done for him. And what's truly remarkable then is to hear a little bit later on, in fact, not long after that, Jesus returned to this very same region, the very same region where these Gentiles had told Jesus, get away from here, we want nothing to do with you. Jesus came back and this time, for three straight days, Lines of people brought, their sick, they're injured, they're crippled, they're lame to Jesus to heal them. And this time we're told that these people were amazed at what Jesus had done. And in fact, this time they praised the God of Israel. Yes, Jesus had walked away from what seemed like a mess, but he had left this man behind. And by doing that, What a wonderful, beautiful mess Jesus ended up making of that mess. Friends, what's really cool is that we're many, many years past that and we're many, many miles away and yet Jesus continues to do the very same thing. When Jesus sets you free from those demonic lies of our spiritual enemies that so often possess us, when he sets us free from evil, we don't become... Enslaved to him. He doesn't call us away from this world and away from all of the evil that is in it. In fact, he does just the opposite. He sets us free and he sends us right back into the fray, right back onto the front lines of where that battle is taking place. He sends us right back to our homes, to our families, to our jobs, to our neighborhoods, to our communities. In other words, he gives us a calling. He gives us a station in life where we get to be on the front lines of this battle between good and evil and he gives us the weapon that can and will always win the victory against that evil. He gives us the gospel. He gives us the opportunity to live freely in the world that he has made and to tell others about the freedom and the one who has set us free. And if that ever sounds like a bad idea to you, just take a look around the room. As much as it's frustrating at times to walk into a room and in dismay say, what a mess. What a cool thing to walk into a room like this and say, what a mess. What a beautiful, wonderful mess God has made of our world. That yes, Jesus walked away, but In so doing, he left witnesses behind. And through that plan of his, look at what has happened. That thousands of miles away and thousands of years later, in a place called Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, of all places, there would be a room like this. In fact, that right now as we speak, there would be all kinds of rooms, just like this, all over the world, in every nation under heaven. Some of them much bigger, some of them even smaller. All of them full of people who just like you and me have seen what God has done and who just like you and me praise the God of Israel. Yes, Jesus walked away from what seemed like a mess, but he left his witnesses behind. And through that plan, what a beautiful, wonderful mess Jesus has made of our mess. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.